before we start this episode, this episode of The Locker Room is presented by bbchick.com. bbchick is a recruiting service made just for women's basketball players. Unlike other recruiting websites, this innovative hub offers an enchanting blend of affordability and unwavering support, empowering coaches to forge deep connections with talented players through their own personalized live profile. With access to over 2,000 coaches, bbchick can help you contact coaches through email and monitor each of their movements on your profile with their remarkable coach tracker. BB Chick is sure to benefit or kickstart your recruiting process. Use the link in the description to sign up for BB Chick to jumpstart your recruiting. With that being said, cue the intro music. Mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two, what is up everybody and welcome to the 20th episode special of the Locker Room Podcast. As always, I'm your host Wyatt Lister and today, like I said, 20th episode special, we're going to go back 20 takeaways from our last 20 episodes. We're going to take some excerpts from each episode, I'm going to give you a little spiel on them and then we're just going to go right into it. But before we start this episode... I would like to thank all of you guys for listening. It's been one crazy journey since we started this back in January of this year. I really appreciate everyone who's given it a listen, who's really shown support from my family to friends here at Chapman and to the people I've had on across the country and across the world. Thank you, everyone. The 20th episode is one of the most important ones because when we started this podcast, we were told by Coach K here at Chapman, he's the assistant basketball coach, that 90% of podcasts that are started won't make it to episode 20. So to say that we've made it to episode 20 is something that we can say that 90% of other podcasts that have been started that just haven't done that. So to say that we've been able to do what 90% of podcasts haven't done is truly exceptional. And once again, I would like to thank everyone who's been here so far on this journey. Diego, shout out to you for helping us with the merchandise. And a big shout out to Mark. Mark. I owe you the world for this. This podcast is nothing without your help and your side of the social media and including just developing and even producing the first couple episodes. So Mark, I owe you the world. This podcast is nothing without you. But let's get right into it. Starting off from the beginning. Episode one, Nico Ursino. One of my favorite episodes, in my opinion, Nico and I really connected well. We were freshman roommates. Nico and I started off by discussing what is the biggest misconception about Division Three athletes. And here's what Nico had to say. Yeah. This is what this is what you've been waiting to hear because I yeah, know dude. I know you're gonna have some things to say. I mean, I've I've seen people, you know, say that playing D three is not impressive. Like, you know, people are like, Oh, you play D three, you're like not a good athlete, you know, it's you're just playing because you want to play in college, but you you're not good enough. And I'm like Bro, these dudes who play D3 at, at the good D3 schools, there's a lot of them that could play D1. Like, we had a bunch of guys on our football team last year that could have played at a D1 school. So, I mean, like, D3 athletes are no scrubs. I think at some of the lower D3 teams, I mean, one of my best friends from my – like, my best friend from high school, he's playing on literally – I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Literally the worst D3 football team in the country. Ranked dead last. They lost the game 82 to 0. I mean guys on that team probably aren't aren't very good obviously, but like at Chapman, you got ballers. You got guys who can who can play football and 
So, I mean, I hate it when people like say like, oh, D3 athletes aren't very good because this is not true. Moving on from that, Nico and I decide to talk about the importance of putting things into perspective and what that means to be a college athlete. Nico discusses his Christopher Newport story and more in this next clip. Here it is. You know, I, I, I try to do the right thing on and off the field. You know, on the field, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, trying to help the team win no matter what. And I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of high school athletes don't do because a lot of them are just like, you know, want to look good. They want to make the play be selfish because, you know, but I think a lot of them, I, I do the right thing and that's what coaches like. Mm. What is your best advice to any high school athletes who, you know, want to play at the college level? More specifically, anyone who wants to play at the Division three yeah. level. Um, there's so many things I could say. I mean, recruiting, the recruiting process sucks. Like, I got to be honest. Like, it, it's not, it's a terrible process. It, it's Hot take, it's baby. a long process. It's tedious. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of setbacks. You know, there's going to be a lot of things that happened to you that didn't want to happen. Like my Christopher Newport story, like number one, my number one school on the top of my list said they're not recruiting me anymore. That sucked. And I think, you know, you got to put things in perspective, you know, like when that happened to me, I was, I was pissed off. I was like, damn bro. Like number one school that I had, like they're not recruiting me anymore. Like this sucks. But then I stopped and I was like, bro, look around, bro. Like so many people would kill to be in your position right now, like getting looks at a college, like to play college sports. You know, I think there's some statistic statistic that only like 7% of high school athletes go on to play at any level in college. So I'm like the amount of people that would kill to be in my position right now is astounding. To keep it moving from Nico's episode, we get into episode two of the locker room with Chapman University's water polo player, Luke Stiebel. Another one of my favorite episodes, Luke is a personal close friend of mine. Luke talks about the importance of his senior year and what that meant to him and the value it added to his recruiting process. And here's what he had to say. So yeah, going into senior year, I knew I wanted to play uh, water polo and Chapman was the school I wanted to play at. And if I didn't get in, I probably wouldn't have been playing water polo at any other school this was the only school I wanted to play water polo at what was it like reaching out to the coaches here and saying like hey like I'm interested in playing in your school how can I get the recruiting process started what was that like yeah it was a whole different experience for me I mean I had a NCSA account so I was posting highlights of me and stuff like that and then uh, eventually emailed the coach and asked like what's the next step kind of I mean I, t- I talked to one of my club coaches who also he played at Cal Lutheran, another Skyhawk school. Um, he kind of told me about the whole thing, so he helped out a little bit. And then, of course, I knew other players that played in college already before me, so I talked to them too. But the coach just said, yeah, come out. I'll show you around campus. So I came out. Uh, me and my mom drove out, and I talked to the coach a little bit and stuff like that. And he said, like, yeah, so basically you just come out, and there's a tryout day, like the first day you get here, like middle of August get here and, and you try out and then within like the first week of trying out you'll know if you're on the team or not next episode episode three alex glenn alex talks about the importance of emailing coaches and the pressure his parents put on him to keep getting at coaches and really get to the top of their recruiting list and here's what he had to say about that yeah no absolutely i mean for me like and something that my dad was really hard for me on was just consistency with emailing coaches um especially during COVID, because I feel like a lot of kids, once they realized that coaches couldn't come to see them during COVID, they kind of just stopped the email and they're like, you know what, whatever, there's no point. 
But I think emailing during COVID is definitely something that helps me. Um, I think coaches really appreciated that you were reaching out. And while they couldn't come to see you play, you could at least stay on your radar. Um, I think consistency is just a huge thing with college coaches, um, especially here. Like, for example, I emailed this coach my freshman year, or sorry, my junior year. Didn't didn't get a response. Uh, was like, okay, whatever. I guess there's nothing I can really do. Emailed him back midway through, right after my football season senior year, and I was kind of like, hey, look, like I, I need an opportunity. I think like please take a look at my highlight tape. He took a look, got me out on two visits, and before you know it, I was committed here. So it's really just about persistency and following up with coaches because half the time they just won't even see your email. They're getting hundreds of emails right. a day from recruit, like from student athletes. So it's really just about consistency and getting up to the top of that e- coach's email list. And moving on from Alex Glenn, we have our first female guest on the locker room, Kennedy Hebron of University of Tennessee Chattanooga Women's Soccer. She talks about how growing up she was a ski racer and a soccer player and how she didn't play high school soccer but played for a very high-level ECNL team and how that affected her recruiting process as a female athlete. And here's what she had to say. I think it depends on the area um, a lot as well, Um, especially like California is like your prime recruiting for soccer. Right. Like national, that's that's their prime state to recruit from. High school, I I do think have like it, it does have many benefits, and you can see that all across the board from different sports. I mean, for like Gatorade Player of the Year, like there's there's that for soccer, and a lot of the people on the national team they got that and they got looked at because of because of those kind of accolades, and so I think it I think it had a lot of benefit. Just for me, it was harder. Just because I I was still doing ECNL stuff and you can't play ECNL and high school at the same time. Yeah. So it was it was hard. I I definitely if I could go back, I would probably want to play one or two years of high school just to get the experience of it. Just because I all you hear all around that's like the most fun people have is high school, high school that like sports. So I do wish and I and like I said, I do think it has many benefits. Um, for in the recruiting process like that's that's some of the stuff people look at you get game film you get um stats you get stuff like that where coaches want to look at they want to get down to the nitty-gritty when they're recruiting so that kind of stuff always helps right so i talked to alex glenn who's a goalie here at chapman he's from san diego and he brought up the importance of your coaches vouching for you when it comes to recruiting when it comes to putting in a good word and he said high school coaches don't have the connections at the level that these ecnl coaches have right when you started your recruiting process how did your ecnl coach get you in contact with coaches or put in good words for you Oh, I can't thank him enough for what he did for me, especially it was COVID time too. So it was, it was really hard over overall to get in like recruiting stages just because we couldn't play games in person. We couldn't go travel like we were usually doing. And for me, like I said, I didn't get to play that many ECNL games with my team. So it was a lot harder for me to get into the recruiting stage because I didn't have as much film as all my other teammates. But with, with the coaches, they see you at practice. They see you at your worst. They see you at your best. They see you, see you everything in between. They see your worth ethic. They can put those words in. And a coach, a soccer coach isn't just looking at, coaches in general, I should say, aren't just looking at how good you are. They're looking at, are you a team player? Are, what, is, what is your attitude when, 
certain things awry, like that kind of, that kind of stuff. And that's what your club coaches see. They see that every, every day. And so they can put in a good word and most of them do like no coach wants to give like bad things out. They're not going to, they're not going to sugarcoat it. Obviously they're going to say what things you could work on, but overall they play a huge part in the recruiting process because they see you every single day. After Kennedy, we have our first Hooper on the podcast, Chapman University, sophomore point guard, Cruz Billings. Cruz was another one of my favorite episodes. I love always being able to talk basketball. But Cruz talks about his insight of when he realized he could first play college basketball, even as such an undersized player, is, even he is now a 5'8 point guard. Here's what Cruz had to say about that. I think I always had that confidence in myself. Um, I, was, I was pretty good at a young age. Like we would, there would be like these camps around here and I would go and, and I was, and I was always in like those top 20 all-star games, whatever those things were. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. But there was always people telling me like I could play at the next level, but I didn't really let it get to me because I knew like I was, and my dad would always tell me like, you know, try not to listen to, you know, outside noise, just kind of focus on yourself. Um, keep getting better. You're still young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not. You can't settle now. You know, you got to keep getting better because all these guys are going to keep getting better. And also you have a disadvantage because you're going to be small. Right. You know what I mean? So you got to work 10 times harder than everyone else. Moving on from Cruz Billings, we have another Hooper on the podcast. My guy, Matt Alotagle, a.k.a. Matty Ice. For a quick update on Matt, he just had his trial with the NBA G League. Haven't heard anything on that about it yet, but he probably is going to release a YouTube video here in the next week or so. So tap in with Matt on that. Matt, another amazing guy. Gave some great perspective on you know his late recruiting process and him not getting offered until he was playing for an unsigned seniors team after his senior year of high school. Here's what Matt had to say about his recruiting process. Uh, to get noticed to play uh, D3, um, I actually had zero offers out of high school until like late in my senior year. Um, you know, my old coach at Lycoming, Coach McGarry, found me at a uh under the radar division or under the radar um AAU tournament. So it was like a game where I just, you know, kind of did my thing and luckily he was there um and he offered me. But until then it was tough for me to kind of get looks. Like I would email coaches with my film all the time and try to, you know, make calls. And it was a point where I thought like I probably wasn't going to be able to play in college. Right. You know, going back to, like, my mom, she would, like, encourage me to keep going, you know, keep going to these AAU tournaments. Shout out to my AAU coach, Coach Shep, like, you know, providing me with that platform to go and to play, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was tough, but, like, you know, I'm grateful for the journey and how it all would uh, planned out. I'm still so incredibly grateful to have Matt on the podcast. Matt was one hell of a guest and such a great guy to talk to. And even me and him have still kept in touch. Had the opportunity to meet him at the Final Four this past year, and he was nothing but a great guy. But moving on from that, Lily Hartnell of St. Anselm Women's College Hockey. One of the most interesting guests I talked to, and one of the most key points she brought up was the importance of doing more than the person next to you. What were you willing to do and what were you willing to sacrifice to get to where you are? 
Here's what she had to say about that. I would say don't ever say like it's impossible. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I started really late. A lot of the girls on my team started five, two, they were in skates. Um, Don't say it's the end. You know, COVID happened. It wasn't the end. You just have to keep doing something every day that's going to get you better. You know, like getting up at 5 a.m. and doing sprints and thinking to yourself, you know, who else is going to do this? Who's doing this right now? That's in my competition. Who's doing this? Who's doing the extra school work and, you know, getting the best grade in the class? Who's doing that? It's with everything's a competition now and it's the best of the best. You're fighting for the one or two spots now because we have fifth and six years. It's getting harder. So you just have to be better. Moving on from Lily Hartnell, we had my guy Connor Prince of Claremont McKenna College, men's basketball player, local Skyac player. He was super interesting to talk to, a guy who had the opportunity to play against some NBA players at the CP3 Invitational when he was in eighth grade. Connor talks about general just athletic importance, how important it is to keep your head up. And here's what he had to say about I just try to meet with my coach every few weeks during the season to be like, yo, what can I improve on? Like, how can I help the team out? And so I know that when my time comes, hopefully this upcoming season, I'll be ready to, to do what he needs um, and I'll be prepared. So we'll see, we'll mm-hmm. see what happens, but I'll definitely be staying in the gym and just keep working as hard as I could. Moving on from that, Connor goes to talk about the importance of staying in the gym and staying consistent, yeah, every day grind, how many shots you get up, what you can do in the weight room. Here's some advice about what Connor gave to us on how to be a successful college athlete. I think the, the biggest, my biggest piece of advice is, of course, one, just, just stay in the gym every single day. Um, you know, even if you're, you're not trying to, to work out that day, you're just not feeling it, just try and get some kind of workout in, whether it's a couple hundred shots, get a lift in, something like that. And just being very proactive with your recruiting, going to different camps, um, reaching out to coaches at every single level, D1, D2, D3, um, especially assistant coaches as well. Because, um, you know, the head coaches will do the, the end process of recruiting, but it's more the assistant coaches in the beginning who are, reaching out, um, sending the recruiting letters and stuff like that. So just staying in the gym every single day and then being super proactive and just reach out to as many coaches as possible. Moving on from Connor, we had William and Mary guard Alexa McKeska. Alexa was another super interesting guest to talk to. She talked about where women's basketball is headed with the advancements of people like Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. But she talked about the importance of understanding the change from high school to Division One basketball. And here's what she had to say about that. Yeah, I would say um, probably just the workload part of it differs. High school, like, of course, you're going to be going to classes, you're going to be doing your workouts, but college, it's an everyday thing. It's like workout, um, study, workout again, sleep. So it's like constantly all of that. Instead, we're high school, it's, you get a little bit more time to yourself, but in college, you kind of got to figure out how to how to manage your time wisely and stay in the right mindset to get that. So after Alexa, we have my former high school trainer, Thomas Bullock, who is now the coach, one of the coaches at Oklahoma Christian University in Oklahoma. Thomas gave some really valuable insight, not only on his story of growing up, starting college at 20 years old, playing at a JUCO and then two NAIAs. He also talks about how important it is to be a college athlete, what coaches look for. The main thing we really discussed is NAIA, Even at a lower level like the NAIA, there are gems of players, and it's really for what he said a lot of players, a last chance to really play 
that level of athletics, more specifically college basketball, and how much of a grit and grind of a division that NAIA really is. So here's what he had to say about that. It resonates with me just because obviously I played NAIA. I went NAIA twice after going JUCO in the middle. So um, I think I can understand it more. Um, I understand, like I said, I went to school when I was 21, 20. And so uh, I think that's just exactly what NAIA, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of serves as a, an opportunity for, you know, guys that don't necessarily, you know, whether you're overlooked or you feel like you're overlooked, if you're, you know, your situation, you know, you have life situations come about and it messes up your NCAA clock. If you have um, just anything, you know, um, NAIA kind of serves as that, you know, that source where you can still, you know, live out that dream and make it what it is if, you know, if you're locked in and you find a, the best, most ideal situation for you. So working within NAIA, I can appreciate that, you know, because uh, there's a lot of crazy and cool stories of like, you know, a lot of talent and just guys that you know deserve an opportunity regardless of what they had or their situation at hand. So mm. pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Moving on from that, Thomas also brought up the key things to becoming a college hooper. And not only hoopers could use this information, but anyone who's looking to play college athletics should use this information. From a mentality side, just really listen in and hone in on these because Thomas has been there, he's done that, and he's in the involvement of college hoops. So please, listen to this and really take it to heart. I think discipline is the first thing. Um, and discipline in the way of, and that kind of jumps into the second thing of just like be having a uh, work ethic, like having discipline and like, you know, making getting it done yourself as opposed to, you know, going to a place where you're expecting coaches to, to hold you accountable as they have, you know, through AAU and high school, like you got to develop your own um, just will to, you know, get up every day and just be an everyday person. So um, I would say discipline and then, you know, just having a work ethic. And then I think you just got to have a why. Moving on from my guy, Thomas, we had my guy, Nick Sicasio, Chapman University senior point guard. Nick talked about the importance of when he got cut from Santiago Canyon College and what changes he really made to push him to now being able to play at Chapman University. Here's what he had to say. Sat down with both my parents and was like, I think it's time that we reevaluate a few things. I think it's best I come back, uh, take my classes at a junior college. Because mm -hmm. at that time, we didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. It was such yeah, a... Yeah, it was so early on. It was so early on. I was hearing we were going to have six games in a season. I'm like, I don't want to blow a year of eligibility on that. So came home and then took a few years off, about a two-year stretch of not playing and just training and whatnot. And then found my way into an opportunity to go play at Santiago Canyon College, which is just, I think, yeah, 10, 15 minutes Just down the road, yeah. And... Uh, Went through that, got through the uh, the last day of summer camp, and uh, the head coach and the assistant came up to me and was like, look, we really like your your skill set. We just have a lot of guys that we weren't expecting to return. So I ended up getting cut that, uh, that last like two, three weeks before summer. And at that point, I was in a funk. I had new experience. I'd never been cut before from a basketball mm -hmm. team. Came home. I remember just it was – 
journey a, I'd never been through. Um, and I was like, okay, I could either sit back and look at it and be like, this is it, the door closed, and kind of just move on from basketball. And then I sat there, I talked it over with my parents, and we were like, okay, I think it's time to make some changes and really get focused in. So the two trainers that I train with now, shout out uh, Cliff Baker, shout out CJ, and then also my other trainer, Brandon Hood, shout out those three. Um, I went back with them and I looked at it and said, look, we got to make some changes because obviously what happened didn't get me to the point that I want to get to. And I know this door isn't closed yet. So that whole, that whole year, I was just taking classes at Orange Coast College. I was waking up at like four in the morning, going and doing 5 a.m. workouts. I would go and then I would go and do my weight lifting. And that journey in itself, I think, taught me a lot about myself and the maturity that I think I've developed for me. And I think it's got me to the position where I'm at now. I feel like I've been through a lot of dog days in a sense, a lot of uncertainty, I would say. I don't know what was going to happen. I was just trying to be as present as I can, living in the moment. And I kind of was just like, you know what, I might as well just let the chips fall where they must. And kind of was just like living with that process. Ended up playing in a uh, pro-am league over the spring and summertime. I felt like playing against ex-professional NBA players, some really good college players from the California area, the LA area. And I think that just developed me into that kind of grit and grind that I know that I am now with how I approach things. So I think that kind of lesson of getting cut really stood out to me. And it told me a lot about myself and a lot about the journey that I had to take in order to get where I'm at right now. But I'm glad that it happened because it taught me who I am now. And it's like, if you want something, you really got to truly work for it. And the work's only going to be done if you're dedicated to it. So I've always just held myself to being dedicated to putting in the work, no matter how many hours. And Moving on from that, Nick talks about understanding the point of being ready, even when you're not getting the playing time you want. Nick brings up Lonnie Walker from the Lakers last year, who in game four of the playoffs exploded for 13 points off the bench in the fourth quarter after falling out of the rotation. The importance of being ready is one of the most valuable lessons I've learned from Nick, even off the court, of just being patient and waiting for your opportunity when it comes to whatever I do as far as creatives go. But here's what Nick had to say about that. So I think it's just something like not a lot of people understand mm -hmm. because, not to diss, but like they don't, either don't put the work in right. or they just have too much of an ego to say, well, yeah, definitely. I don't know why I'm here. Mm -hmm. No, I was definitely it could have easily crept in and be like, why am I not getting these opportunities? I'm doing all these things. But it was like, you got to trust this journey and this process that you're on. No and doubt. for me, at one point during the year, I was like, okay, just be patient with everything. Something's going to happen. Just be ready for your opportunity. And I got an opportunity at one point in the year to get some playing time. And I'm glad that I did because that just showed me that keep your head down just work be positive because you could wait for your moment at any given time and if you stay ready you don't have to worry about getting ready off of it i bring up an example for lonnie walker with uh the, with lakers. the lakers game four baby game four with uh against golden state he started what like the first 20 something games of the year 20 fell games. out of the rotation yep. kind of crept back in it was just falling in and out doesn't get any opportunity until the end of game three when they're getting blown out 
and then comes in for game, game four, four, plays valuable minutes, and then finds Put, his way back into the rotation. Puts up like what thirteen or fifteen in the thirteen. Fourth yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, and then he even said it after the end of the game. He goes, "I've just stayed ready this entire time," and I think that's just a testament to staying engaged and staying locked in for this journey because it's not all just uphill. You have these roller coaster type of events and. I think how you respond to everything is a big piece to the puzzle because you could respond with negativity and you could let it eat at you and be at like frustration and whatnot. Or you can rise to it and be like, no, this is this is a journey and not everybody's going to be on the same wavelength that you're going to be on. Moving on from my guy, Nick, we had Brady Rads on our first actual college football player on the podcast, surprisingly. Brady's a long snapper, now at Texas State at the time. He was at Colorado State. Brady talks about how early on he wanted to play varsity football and why he changed his position from linebacker to long snapper to give himself a better shot playing varsity football and then a chance at even playing college football at the Division I level. Here's what Brady had to say about that. Off the pod, we talked about you were kind of smaller growing up, so you ended up switching to long snapper. What? How did you come down to switching to long snapper? compared to you know other positions that have smaller players yeah um so throughout like middle school and elementary uh, I was always a linebacker but going into high school I want to play varsity like everyone does and I was like five foot 100 pounds so I definitely wasn't going to get a spot so um one of my buddies was the long snapper on the team and I asked him if he could teach me and uh, he taught me very well. So I started my started playing varsity my sophomore year at 5'2", 120 pounds. Moving on from Brady, we had my guy Joe Reamer. Joe's one of my very close friends from back home. And he's currently redshirting due to injury, tore his labrum a couple months back. He just got surgery. Joe, if you're listening, I wish you nothing but the best, brother. Continue to be great. Continue to keep your head up. And you know, keep working and great things will happen. With that being said, Joe brought up the importance of taking visits to schools. And he talks about the school that didn't really want him as much as Concordia College and how he made his decision to go to Concordia College Moorhead. Here's what Joe had to say. Elaborate on the importance of taking visits. Um, visits are really, it's like your film that you send to a coach before they offer you or invite you on a visit is like giving them like an employer your job resume. Right. Really is what it is. And then going on a visit is them showing you what they can offer. It's like them offering you a contract. Like, yeah, we can pay you $100,000 a year over this, for example. Uh But going to school and seeing what they're about and what they're going to be able to provide for you is really important. When I went on my first visit to the school, it was just like, I don't think this is going to work. The fit wasn't there. The interest didn't seem as mutual as they had made it sound over the phone. Right. So I walked away from that visit, and I was like, okay, it's probably not the place. If that's my only option, I will go there because I want to play ball. But really, that's the only reason I went there was to go play ball. Right. It wasn't like I loved the school. So then describe what it was like taking your second visit after you got your offer from Concordia. Yeah, and then that visit, the visit to Concordia was just a polar opposite, and they do recruiting well, very stable program. They've had three head coaches in, since, like, 1940. 
three. Something like yeah, they've had no, like three. Last eighty years they've since had since like World War Two. They've had like that's three. ridiculous. I know our current head coach Terry Haran. He's going on like twenty seasons as the head coach. Wow. And just a rich history. Won a couple national championships. Been very far in the D three playoffs multiple times, and they kind of know what they're doing. And I know the first program I went and visited, they're kind of in a weird stage. New staff, trying to adjust, trying to get back to where they were. And they're just trying to figure stuff out still. And I felt Concordia, because I wanted to go to a winning program, obviously. Because that, that's what like, you do. Like anyone does. Yeah, like, you're a competitor. You want to go win. It's not like uh-huh. you want to turn around, go out of your way, and go to a losing program. Yeah. Like, winning's a big deal. For sure. I mean, I went to the school. I enjoyed the visit. I thought the facilities were great. Great food. Um, Concordia has very good campus food, by the way. Just shout out, shout out Concordia Campus Food. Shout out Dining Services. Awesome. They're great. <laughs> Appreciate them every day I'm there. But Big boys got to eat. Yeah, I do got to eat. But I appreciate like the value I was given on my visit. And I mean, that probably helps with the fact that a lot of their coaches are very experienced. Because their DC has been there over 15 years. Right. Head coach has been there like around 20 and the guy that recruited me out there, Coach Pollock, shout out Coach Pollock. Shout out Coach Pollock. The GOAT, the GOAT himself, love that guy. He spent time coaching in D1. He worked at Army. He worked at Utah State. So he had experience working in the D1 pool, and he really understood it. And I felt their ability to recruit was very, very good compared to where I had been and visited just because of the fact that there was more experience in the building and they knew where they were and where they want to be. The vision was clear, and the school itself had more majors and their education in itself, which is a big deal in Division Three. Obviously, you can't get athletic money. Was more in line with what I would be thinking for a possible career. Right. Moving on from Joe, we had Point Loma women's basketball player Annika Thayer. Annika talked about the importance of sports psychology, which was actually the first time any guest has really talked about in the locker room. So here's what she had to say about that. Something new that I've actually started doing this summer is seeing a mental performance coach, which has really been helping. Mm -hmm, For sure. So if you don't mind, let's kind of dip into that a little bit of like sports psychology. How much has that really changed your outlook, not only just on basketball, but on, I mean, your college career as a whole? I mean, it's just crazy to see how much it really affects you. Like it is so much of the game than we think. Like, it really just affects every single thing that we do. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, you know, describe what you've gotten out of that, at least so far. Yeah. So a couple of things that we've been working on is working on, like, stress response and heart rate variability. So just looking at, like, the different heart rates and seeing, like, where you should be for your maximal, like, lowest stress environment so that you can turn it on like that and training that and, like, training the breath and seeing that, okay, when my breath is this low – I can use it to keep my heart rate low then to keep all my body temperature low because if my body temperature is low, then my brain doesn't think I'm stressed. So then you can perform better. So it's really cool just to like look at and see everything that's going on with your brain. Moving on from Annika, we had one guy I've become extremely close with, my guy Zach Mogbo, Powder League superstar, who's currently working on signing his first professional contract. Zach is one of the hardest working guys I know and one of the most genuinely nice people I've ever met, and a stupid, talented hooper. Zach talked about his first year at JUCO and 
how his development really pushed him into a strong sophomore year before unfortunately breaking his other foot. Preparing for my sophomore year was, I was conditioning myself before the season. I was in the gym a lot harder, working out with my coaches a lot more, you know, so that next man up, I would say that was my biggest takeaway my freshman year. For sure. So was your freshman year definitely more of a development year for you to yeah. set yourself up for a successful sophomore year? Yeah. So then what was that sophomore year looking like? Fun. Fun? Fun. It's Basketball was a lot more fun my sophomore year because I was mentally prepared and I had a sense of what I was getting into because from my freshman year, it was like getting your feet wet. Right. So then your sophomore sure. year, when you got to dive in the pool full, you know, all the way in, you're prepared for it. For sure. So it was a lot more fun my sophomore year. Moving on from Zach, we had a former University of Utah guard, now at Denver University, my guy Jackson Brenchley. Jackson brought up the importance of how important it is when you're making your decision to go into school, because obviously you're a student athlete, student comes first. Here's what Jackson had to say about his college decision making process. What I found important was just the trust, the trust factor, who I can trust the most, who believes in me the most, um, and where I can see myself succeeding. Um, I also, you know, value the the academic part of going to school, and I know the University of Utah had, has a really good business program, so that um, kind of was also a factor in my decision. Um, so, yeah, just tr the trust factor and, and who believes in me and where I can succeed and take my, you know, take my college experience and make that beneficial to the rest of my life is, is how I made my decision. Moving on from my guy Jackson, we had the first golfer on the podcast, Ethan Flynn from Gonzaga University, most recent episode. Ethan was one of the most interesting guests I've talked to. He took a gap year before he was able to start his career at Gonzaga, and he talks about really maturing and growing up during that gap year when all he was doing was literally just working and playing golf to get to the best he could before starting his late freshman year at Gonzaga. Talk about that experience taking a gap year because from what it seemed like, it sounded like something out of like a movie. Talk about what that experience did for you as a golfer, but also did what it did for you as a young man. 100%. Um, as you touched on there was... A lot of it was just was just growing up and maturing. I went down there with really not a whole lot of life experience. I worked when I turned 16 in a golf course, but didn't have to do a whole lot. I was very fortunate to have parents that were always by my side and helping me out. But they said, "Hey, you're you're on your own. You're making you're making your own money here. You're going to pay your own way." So, you know, I'm dealing with rental agencies trying to find a place to live, and then you get that done, and you think you're in the clear, and now it's only just beginning and you're going to the store all the time, cooking, eating, calling electric companies, you know, all this stuff that your parents do for you when you're, when you're growing up and it, it makes you mature quick. And, but looking back, you know, managing my money was a big part and I enjoyed every, every bit of that and got to play a lot of golf. So it was pretty sweet. After Ethan, that brings us to now. This concludes our episode 20 takeaways from 20 episodes Thank you guys so much for all the support you've given us over the past couple months. It's been one hell of a journey for such a short time. I'm so excited to see what the future holds for the locker room. I hope you guys continue to support us and continue to show us love. 
Thank you everyone, whether you've listened to one episode or every single episode. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of our journey. I'm so excited to see what the future holds. But with that being said, I'm Wyatt Lister. This is the locker room where sports unite us and stories inspire us. Peace out, you guys. 20 episodes and we're going to keep it going.